Welcome to the most excellent 80s movies podcast. It's the podcast where a filmmaker, a comedian, and their fabulous guests, Bazooka and Bazooka and Bazooka, explode their way through the 80s movies we think we love or might have missed with these our modern eyes to see how they hold up in today's world. And today we are talking about The Delta Force, a movie selection from 1986. This is a hijack! And stop! The enemy doesn't care who they hurt. Not how young. How innocent. How helpless. I'm gone. Collect all passports. Why? Do it! Strangers. They're making a mistake. United by the threat of death. There's only two of them! And there's so many of us! Find the courage. You take one of us, you gotta take us all. To defy their captors. I won't do it! It's a new age of terror that requires a new breed of warrior. One minute to showtime. We're members of Delta Force and we're here to take you home. America's elite anti-terrorist commandos committed to destroy the enemies of freedom because the stakes are more than pride. Sleep tight, sucker. More than honor. More than justice. American, I want to negotiate. Do you hear me, American? Loud and clear. Because they're fighting to save American lives. The Delta Force, starring Chuck Norris and Lee Marvin. America's new heroes. The Delta Force. I think it is somewhat hilarious to refer to them as America's new heroes when they're both like in their 70s or something. Yeah, I think Chuck Norris is 46 in this movie. Lee Marvin is like 100. <laughs> this was Lee Marvin's last film. Oh, poor guy. He died right after. He got, I think it was like an inflamed colon or something like that. Oh. Uh, well, that voice you're hearing is, of course, filmmaker Nathan Blackwell of Squishy Studios. <laughs> Hi there. It's always strange to be <laughs> introduced. Introduced. Uh, yeah. Well, it's been like 70 times now. That's um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> and then that voice you hear is Chrissy Lenz, improviser of the the National, uh, the Neighborhood Comedy Theater. Sorry, it's my first episode. Uh, uh, and we do have a fabulous guest uh, today, improviser Rick Larson. Hello. Oh, I was hoping that I wasn't muted. And it turns out that I'm not, which is great. <laughs> um, Improv. finding the tab yeah. uh, that I was in. So was looking <laughs> to make sure I had my notes. Uh, yeah. Oh, I took so many notes. I think this is... Maybe this it's and- such a note movie. I stopped at some point, but I will say that I did uh, write in all caps with three exclamation points. Lee Marvin's eyebrows. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. What? Because we we never share 
really the notes and sometimes it just you know the podcast just goes off the rails but what are your strangest notes right now just kind of uh let's take a look here uh i've got fart missile <laughs> i said that too i actually i think i said butt rocket but yeah butt rocket butt okay something like that uh i i did note that in the airport the terrorists all had cool matching beige suits like uh mm. robert forrester was the best dressed terrorist i think in yeah he yeah he won that award yeah um i i have american issued budweiser's oh yes that was great yes uh-huh so many pilots Another exclamation point one. Uh, in quotes, damn it, let's not screw this one up. It double bazooka bros. Yes. And then they just set them down and walk uh-huh. away. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so th- here. How can a movie this, like, over the top and outlandish be this, like, slow? Well, it, yes. And be so, like, the the whole, this movie is two hours and five minutes long, and it could have easily been 45 minutes if we, we didn't need the whole beginning part of all the, like, geopolitical, where, like, it seems like they're really trying to, like, actually send really a message. Really swing for the fences, yeah. So, is this our first canon film of Canon Films? No, it's not. We did something else be. from Canon Films, but That's I was right. hoping- we probably we probably saw like one of their so like Canon Films. I'm so glad to to finally get to them. They, you know, they've done you know straight to video stuff kind of in the same zone, maybe even a bit more like, you know, explosive than like Roger Corman, but like stuff with ninjas, like uh, you know, like uh kickboxer missing an action you know they're very kind of straight to video action genre but they occasionally did a couple of ones that were they tried to punch above their weight with like over the top and like masters of the universe but um such a a fascinating um collection of films they made so this is a canon movie but there's a, a lot of stars in it Mm-hmm. Like a lot of '70s stars for what it, it, is a late '80s movie. It first starts off as almost like one of those like disaster movies, you know, with like George Kennedy and Shelley Winters and like Robert Vaughn, and and it it seems like it's gonna be like one of those like towering inferno Poseidon adventure movies. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly the feel that you get at the beginning, especially as we're like beating everyone on the plane. You got Shelly Winters and, and uh, you know, their couple friends and they're like shopping and getting to know each other. And they're like, it's our silver anniversary, which really made me like look hard in the mirror because I was like, it's their silver anniversary. I'm two years away from my silver anniversary. And I was like, ooh, is that how I seem? Is that how old I am? Uh, but like, you know, you're getting to know all these people who are on the plane. There's George Kennedy and a pair of nuns. And you see that terrorism is happening. Cool. So far, I'm still on board. It's just that everything from the moment that they're like, this is a hijack and hit every flight attendant in the face with a gun. As they walk down the line, everything after that, until Chuck Norris shoots the first bazooka, is so confusing, geopolitical <laughs> nightmare. They, they, so they're so ambitious. 
Mm-hmm. They went to be three movies at once. Yeah, it struck me as really kind of a uh, like one of those Law and Order episodes that's taken from today's headline, like <laughs> ripped from the headlines. Yeah, very. But then they changed just enough. Right, they changed. They changed TWA. So this is like based off of like the 1985 TWA hijacking to uh-huh. ATW. Yes, which I didn't write it in my notes, but every time that showed up on the screen, I would yell, all the way! <laughs> all the way it was. <laughs> it was something else, but mm-hmm. it be all the way to me. But basically, this is like a, you know, the, the, like the quick, like cheat sheet version of this movie, of what the Delta Force is, is it's basically like uh, the, the uh, TWA hijacking but the Americans win and blow shit up. Like it is the, the what's uh, a, another critic called the fairy tale reaction <laughs> to right. a real life, you know, hostage situation. Yeah. Right. And you, you can like feel the moment in the movie when it makes that switch, because I was reading a lot of the trivia during some of the slower moments. <laughs> and it was very much like, this is based on a real person. And this part really happened except uh during the daytime instead of at night and then just all of a sudden they pull out all their toys and it's just the gi joe yeah cartoon. yeah and then it becomes like there was a p- brief period in time where dune buggies as a military vehicle was like the 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 peak the pinnacle of like action adventure movies and then you would just like so what can you fit on a dune buggy you know you can get a how many rocket launchers and then how many guns and can we get one that shoots backwards, you know? Well, it seemed like it was going to be silly at the beginning because the terrorists don't seem very, they seem inept. They seem like they are fools and don't know what they're doing. Like at one point he accidentally pulls the pin out of the grenade because he gets hit in the face with the door when he fight like he forces the pilot to open the door and it hits him in the face and he like oopsie drops the pin then he picks up the pin and puts it in his mouth and he's talking to the pilots with the pin in his mouth and he's like you gotta take me to lebanon and they're like we can't understand you and he's like well i've got the pin in my mouth you take it out of my mouth and stick it back in the grenade. <clears throat> now take me to Beirut. Like they seemed silly. And at the beginning, there's only two of them. And it definitely seemed like we should have all listened to Shelly Winters when she mm. was like, there's a million of us and two of them. Why are we not standing up? Cause like it gets creepy when they start like asking to separate the Jews. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what they, there's you know, a lot of things that they just directly stole from the TWA um, uh, the hostage uh, situation, or um, which is that you know them them separating the the Jewish prisoners, um, like the Navy diver who gets killed, you mm-hmm. know, um, that they just directly lifted from the actual events. Well, and it did seem like when we were first meeting all of the all of the um, people on the plane, I thought that the the three Navy boys were like a thruple who had just gotten back from their like mini moon because they all had a very like like 
sexy gay energy but then it was sad when the one died and there was just the other two people of the couple left but yeah they're se- they're like separating the jews and they ask this poor german flight attendant to like pick out the names that seem jewish yeah which, which is which is genuinely dramatic mm-hmm. um and which upsets me that they just 100 percent lifted <laughs> what actually happened in real life yeah, and it doesn't seem right to do that in a movie where later Chuck Norris is going to shoot bazookas out of his ass. Right, and, and, and especially like this, this happens so close to the actual events that they the actual events were actually happening when they were writing the script. Oh, and they oh sen- they yeah. sent <laughs> apparently the uh, they so Manahem Golan is um, the the director, but he's also one of the the owners of the entire company so it's like the the owner of the company it's like no i shall direct this movie um and he he directed like a number of movies like over the top and things like that just stuff with no subtlety uh and all enthusiasm but he sent like his assistant director to like smuggle him across the border to to like be near where the actual events were happening so that they could write their ending wow boo i say is it fair to jump all the way to that ending? At- Please, we can jump anywhere we want. <laughs> Let's fire over there like a rocket. The climactic fight scene between Chuck Norris and Robert Forster was mm-hmm. such a like a fantasy fulfillment for like I'm guessing American dads because mm-hmm. Norris with his mullet busts in. And they fight, but they don't really fight. Chuck Norris just wails on him for five solid minutes. It's mm-hmm. never, and never at any point is Chuck Norris in danger. And the guy has like, uh, you know, he's he's won. He's he's got the guy defeated, and he's still like, I want to punch him a couple more times. To- <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, yeah, it's um, you know, you don't like realize this stuff as a kid, and I, you know, and mm-hmm. and this this is the first time I've seen Delta Force. But, like, there's so many other movies like this, but during this kind of, you didn't realize that there's, like, this this Reagan-era, like, no, let's just shoot the, the criminals in the street, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, that feels so great. And there's stuff like Death Wish and, like, Dirty Harry. There was, like, so much of that that just flew over my head when I was younger or until just I I've like revisited these things. Yeah. You, you mentioning Reagan era brings up another point for me was at multiple points. Cause there's like the failed mission at the beginning where the helicopter's on fire and he saves his friend. Right. And they start talking about like the president and the brass and all these hot, no names are mentioned. We don't know who the president is, but it's very down on like, for such a for such a rah rah America movie, it's very like oh, but our leadership is all terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like, this is this was Chuck Norris's guy was the president at the time, so it's kind of an <laughs> odd choice. Yeah, in 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 Robert Vaughn's like cameo as the the class classic bureaucrat guy, it's like well, we're gonna try to negotiate them with with them first. And then you just get a sense that that Lee Marvin and Chuck Norris are like, ugh, give me a break. Yeah. 
But they do like there's all these like stops and starts, which is what makes this movie like at the beginning feel like it's going to be more realistic because it's like, okay, we're going to go here and we're going to stop them here. Okay, big plan. Everybody in your what did you guys call them? Go go karts? (laughs) Whatever. Yeah, dune buggies. Everybody in your dune buggies and some of you be in costume and in character and some of you be, you know, just regular Delta Force guys and we'll we'll jog over and then Lee Marvin gets the like word that there's now more hostages because they did. They allowed them to like bring 10 times as many hostages on board the second (laughs) time they land. Uh, and he's like, he just rolls out onto the field in his dune buggy, and he's like, wee woo, wee woo. Nope, call it off, gang. Call it off. Yeah, and and it's it's kind of like unintentional subtlety there because the whole uh, like implication the first time is like we're here just to kick ass constantly, and and <laughs> it's these bureaucrats that are holding us back. But then that time it was the bureaucrats who wanted them to go in, and they were wrong, and actually. The reason that like the helicopter was on fire at the time was they told they warned the bureaucrats that it was too dangerous to go at night. But right. The bureaucrats were like, no, we want you to do. And Chuck Norris retired and went to live on a horse farm in his in as I wrote in my notes, his mullet and his Canadian tuxedo. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, so but they knew he would show up. They knew he would show up. And even though he he like this is, you know, I never understand how things work in the military, but he had retired, but then he just showed up without doing any paperwork <laughs> and got promoted. But he had a he had a letter from the president <laughs> commanding him to come back that he crumpled up and just threw in his truck. Like, I don't care about president letters. <laughs> I totally missed that. I did not see that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. If, if 80s movies is what you based, like, how the military works or how, like, the police department detectives work, like, uh, we were, we, we had to retrain ourselves, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s because, you know, you can just quit whenever you wanted and it's like you know like there weren't a thing called orders i guess there were suggestions and like you know like everyone could like interrogate people like it was just (laughs) just so cowboy and i i honestly never understand like like even with like the new top gun movie like what anybody's rank is and they're like no you're not captain you're major i'm like isn't that worse i don't understand but and then there's all the stuff that again felt very silly uh with the stuff with the cars on the runway when they do get to beirut and they're like nope we parked every car on the runway sorry bro you can't come here and then they're like they play chicken kind of and they're like well we're gonna land anyway so you might want to move those cars and they're like okay you have permission uh, move the cars (laughs) just a lot of extra steps which seemed so silly and crazy Okay, but ugh. and then there's a funeral at some point, and you have to explain to me what's going on with the whole priest guy and the funeral, because that's in even another country, isn't it? Yeah, I so I think the priest was uh, Israeli intelligence, and he was spying and sending information to the good guys. Oh, I did. All I saw was that he was Greek Orthodox was in, and I even was reading up on him because he did seem to come out of nowhere and it. He had kind of like a sinister look because like the whole time 
when they were boarding the plane, every, all the all the Westerners were very smiley and cheerful, and these two mm-hmm. terrorists were just scowling nonstop. <laughs> and there was the music that gave it away as well, but it was very um, very obvious what was going to happen. My thought on it, there were a couple points, I will admit, where I got kind of uh, lost, and that was one of them. I think he just had a church that was next to their hideout, so he could see them like coming and going. Oh, and then he was he was working with because at one point he's like in his little priest box singing and he's sending like a, a code over a CB radio and the bat, main bad guy comes in and is like, you scamp. I also know pig Latin. That's what he said. <laughs> I can tell what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and I don't know about you guys, but in the version I was watching, there was... um whole scenes where people were talking in in uh different languages where there was no subtitles i had yes. the same yeah yes me too and that was one of them where he was like explaining to the priest that he like he was like catching the priest in the act well there's a lot of just you know we talk about this movie has like extra steps so like one of the interesting so this isn't just pro american once there's some things start to click in when you realize like the point of view of the director or the whole production is that the director and the producer the same guy he's strongly american but he's israeli mm-hmm. and so he has a very also strong point of view of kind of the Americans constantly cooperating or acknowledging the Israelis in the whole plot. And so they're given a lot of, a lot of extra things to do, not just like the, you know, this isn't just the, like um, the Jewish point of view, which humanizes the hostages, you know, of like being singled out, uh, you know, kind of like the Holocaust you know, they they make a direct reference to that. You know, mm-hmm. with with the the guys, the numbers on his arms. Yeah, was that Joey Bishop that had the numbers on his arms, or was that the because uh, Joey Bishop was one of them? And uh, I cannot, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but I do know that he was in Catch Twenty Two, and I'll, it'll come to me in a yeah, second. yeah, 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 yeah. That I forget that actor's name, but yeah, he's always good. But then also they give like the Israeli in the the Mossad, the Israeli intelligence, all these extra steps um, in the plot, which probably could have been pulled out, you know, to 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 kind of simplify. There's even like a line in in the um, in the the movie uh, where um, Chuck Norris is kind of like the Americans are acknowledging how well the israelis have helped them um it's like okay you know kind of like when they're getting ready to go out on the siege you know it's like well you you guys have already done this before now it's our turn and they give each other like a handshake it's almost kind of like a moment that you would see like two like the the old action hero and the new action hero kind of like pass the baton yeah yeah i would agree with that and it, i also thought it was interesting too because i was expecting the like navy divers to have some kind of moment oh they do have a tiny one when uh, towards the end when they're on the truck and the two guards are go to the back to see what's happening and they tackle them and knock them off the truck Uh, but Mm -hmm. other than that like i was expecting them to 
to jump up at some point. Um, what's the order of the... So they hijack the plane and to ask it to go to Beirut, and then they fly to Algiers, and then they fly back to Beirut? Or am I, do I have my timeline mixed up? That was very strange. Because they let off some people the first time they were in Be- Beirut and let on more terrorists. But then they went somewhere else and let off all the men. Oh, no, all the women. And mm-hmm. then they went back to the first place and brought all the men out. And it's like, this is for planning. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like, again, it's like, you know, so some of the, like, dramatic moments were directly lifted from real life. And I feel like some of the, the really cumbersome plot stuff were also like adhering too much to like real life. Like in real life, I think the TWA plane made like five different stops. Yeah. But I would expect them to be kind of, I wouldn't expect them to leave a place to go. I I don't know why they went to Algiers and then why they came back. They were just like the new world revolution and we want stuff. Like, there were never... Freedom fighters. At one point, they did have a press conference on a runway where the um, pilot was getting, like, continually banged in the head with the gun as the terrorist told him what to say out the window. So, yeah. like, the pilot would stick his head out the window and be like, okay, ask your questions one by one. And then... If he didn't like what was happening, they would shoot at the reporters and hit the guy in the head with a gun. And at some point, I think it was in Algiers, but I'm not sure. Chuck Norris and his uh, and his little baby buddy Pete uh, are pretending to be tourists. <laughs> Canadian tourists. Canadian right. tourists to the point he puts a Canadian flag pin on his collar. So that you will know that he is extra Canadian. <laughs> That's his entire disguise. <laughs> Walking around with a camera and like a bowl of poutine. <laughs> um, and then there was like a whole bunch of movie where like I just did not know what was happening. Like a solid half hour where I was like, <laughs> where are we at? Who is where? What is who? Who has what? How many? How long has it been? I had no idea. Um, but then after that, it's on. Yeah. As soon as we crest that hill, mm-hmm. let's load up the dune buggies. And then the du- dune buggies just coast down the hill, and everything becomes everything becomes as heightened and ridiculous as it could possibly want to be. Mm-hmm. Starting, and I, I think the first moment was when they're all sitting in a boat. And they're going to like go through a pipe and yes. a, a light shines toward them and they duck, even though their air tanks are neon yellow. <laughs> <laughs> they are the most visible thing in the whole world, but they're like, duck, expose more of your neon yellow tank. Um, and then everything. And then everything is just bananas after that. Yeah, I it was just I cannot tell you what happened for like a good 10 minutes. It was just like flashing lights and motion. Uh-huh. Yeah. And shooting. I I did notice when they when they went in as divers with that boat. They just I mean, it's a plastic raft or whatever, but they still just like left it there. There's a lot of just like leaving uh 
expensive military equipment behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Especially the bazookas. Like there's a point yeah. where they, they two guys shoot each shoot a bazooka and then they high five each other and drop the bazookas and walk away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if there's anything that Canon films have taught me is that ninjas are the 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 best warriors that history has ever created and that uh, bazookas are can be indoor weapons. <laughs> and there, there's absolutely nothing covert. If this is a commercial for the Delta Force, it's not about how covert they are because they are overt. <laughs> there is nothing... Overt force. <laughs> there's nothing sneaky about them. Uh, there's one point where I, I, I think it's a terrorist who's like, where asking someone a question, he's like, open your mouth. He puts the gun in his mouth. Where is this? Where is this? Yeah, Where is this? Yeah. And it's like, how do you want him to answer you? You just put the gun into his mouth. Now I, now I can't understand you because your mouth is full. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I would tell you, but I have a gun in my mouth. Um, and there's a part where Lee Marvin is like down on the ground. Mm-hmm. And Chuck Norris is like, in a build like in a balcony and he's like what do we do now lee marvin i don't know chuck norris but you better get down here oh you want me to go in and use the stairs i don't i don't know whatever is the fastest your choice chuck norris should i jump again up to you chuck norris do what you're gonna do and then he just zip lines down with his bare hand yeah firing an uzi yeah at what? At what? At that point? Yeah, it's something. Um, no, the other one that I I wrote down in my notes is he goes and kills the radio operator, and then the guy yeah. who's on the other end of the phone is like, "I want to negotiate." And Chuck Norris to show how tough guy he is, he doesn't negotiate with terrorists. He just shoots the radio. And I was like, "Well, fine." I mean, I I get the point you're going for, but I'm not sure. It, but then. I don't know, two minutes later, another group of Delta Force guys comes through, and there's not even anybody at the radio, but he just sees a radio on a table and shoots it. (laughs) (laughs) This is our real enemy. Telecommunications. Yeah, there must be some, like, PTSD about radios in a previous, like, (laughs) mission you Um, just can't appreciate. Oh, there's another part, too, where where and it's like it just it feels like they're all doing their own stunts and they're just doing the best they can like when you see old westerns and you see the cowboys like hopping from horse to horse and you're just like oh okay well yeah i'm sure that was very you know advanced maneuvers in 1939 um and you could tell they're like just doing their best here to be like well you know what can chuck norris do well he can he can drive a motorcycle up to the plane where we'll have a rope dangling out but like it's not that cool if he just drives up on his motorcycle and hops in the plane we, no, want, no. we want the rope involved but it's also not as cool if he jump if he just drives up and then grabs the rope so we need him to stand up on the motorcycle mm-hmm. drive up no handed to the plane hop grab the rope and then rope climb himself into the plane yeah, I was a little disappointed that he wasn't juggling three bowling pins while he did that. <laughs> or shooting an Uzi. Where's your Uzi? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Juggling three Uzis. 
He could have like fired the backwards. Uh, I guess he depleted all of his ammo because before he got onto the uh, the plane, he had fired his his backward facing bazookas from the uh, motorcycle and blew up some people. But he could have used that to like launch into the plane. He was stopped when he fired all of those, right? Yeah, I feel he like worked. having like a, a bazooka on a, a motorcycle would really make driving a motorcycle difficult. <laughs> and dangerous. Yeah. And yeah, if you shot one and not the other, would you like careen out of control? Right. Do you yeah. have to like fire a forward mounted bazooka and a backward mounted bazooka just so that you don't like lose stability? Because <laughs> that last one when he's like, he makes that quippy remark, comes out of the exhaust pipe of the motorcycle is that wrong i oh i wonder i don't think it was the exhaust pipe but oh yeah it's it's faced in that direction yeah yeah Yeah. (sighs) but then like so they get on the plane and they're high-fiving and handing out all the budweiser's um but the little buddy his like little blonde buddy like isn't gonna make it and Mm -hmm. the the cheesiest worst acted part of the whole movie is like when he's like is he gonna make it doc head shake and then the little guy's like as long as america wins and then he like drifts off into death see he gets it he gets it and then and then then yeah they, they're passing out budweiser's to everyone on the plane it's like don't worry there's plenty more and they so they bring all the men full comb and let them out of the plane and the women are like yay and then they just like sadly unload pete the guy who didn't make it and then Chuck Norris, what, goes back to his horses? Well, I think there's a sequel, so no. Okay, cool. Yeah, this movie is upside down, backwards and forwards. The craziest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> it was a lot less fun than I was expecting it to be. but yeah, yeah. All of the fun is in the last, last half hour. Maybe the last 45 minutes. All the fun is yeah. is there. So skip, like, just edit it out. And like, th- but I think this is why we get these modern action movies, which, which are exactly like what we're asking for. Like in Top Gun, you don't know who the bad guy is. You don't care what their agenda is. They're bad. They have a bad thing. Let's go blow that shit up. High five, America. If you're gonna if you're gonna march uh, George Kennedy and Shelley Winters into this plane, give them more to do than just like I don't know. I'm still very disturbed by the whole like when she's protesting that they're taking her Holocaust survivor husband away for being a Jew, and she's like yelling at everyone on the plane to yeah. like rise up. I'm like, Ugh. I wish the first half was better because I think it is the more interesting story. But it's very like made for TV movie and mm-hmm. very like these are obviously the good guys and these are obviously the bad guys, mm-hmm. which I think you could do completely without like exaggeration to to mm-hmm. tell that story. But they went for let's simplify this as much as possible as well. Yeah, I, I feel like it's the same, you know, thought process that you you see in some of these other canon films which is 
we're going to like go big. We're going to go over the top, but yet we're going to go emotional. We're going to go like, it's almost like an Oscar. Like, you know, we're, we're going to get this, like the most extremes of all these directions. Cause that's how he sees cinema. But there's this like this mental bridge that's missing that connects these, t- these different worlds yeah. <laughs> that, sh- that don't connect, you know? Well, because if it was easy, everyone would do it. Yeah, the, it, it, it's all the, it's like the biggest drama, the biggest action, but there's like no subtlety in anything missing. So there are sequels to this. Have I, any of us seen any of them? No. Okay. I have not. I This was my first time seeing this movie as well. Although I have a strong memory of... Um, my younger brother was very much the action movie person in the house. So I'm almost a thousand percent sure he rented it. Mm-hmm. I think I've seen clips of it. Like, I swear I've seen some of the more like over the top mm-hmm. moments. Probably the motorcycle rockets mm-hmm. did look kind of familiar. And the double bazook high five. Yeah. Yes. That seemed very familiar. Um, I don't, and I've never, I don't, I have to be honest, like other than Walker, Texas Ranger and a whole bunch of memes Mm -hmm. about how Chuck Norris is, I don't think I've ever seen his work. Was he ever young? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was young when he fought Bruce Lee, like in the 60s. Okay. Or was the 70s, the 70s. Yeah, I had an an elementary school friend who uh, just idolized the movie The Octagon. (laughs) <laughs> would like bring up octagon trivia all the time uh-huh. um, i don't know that he would have liked this one i think this one deserves like a warning on the poster that there chuck norris does no karate There's no uh yeah there was like there was anything. like a very low like back kick yeah he almost did a roundhouse kick and i was like oh he's gonna karate no even when he was just wailing on robert forrester for like 45 minutes at the end of the movie yeah we didn't get any karate he leapt through a window which i don't consider necessarily karate specific but right yeah there's like you know then later like in the 90s we get like van damme we get like steven seagal we get we get these these um movie personalities that are tied to martial artists martial arts but they're not necessarily martial artists you know right. no but but like chuck norris is a martial artist like he is a genuine full-on martial artist you know who who kind of like transitioned into not doing a lot of martial arts i think honestly it, it, it is because he's getting older you know like very well like, maybe. Yeah. yeah like like in 86 he's 46 you know um, and so it's probably just something that he's kind of like changing his brand towards mm. because it's just tougher. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't do it. That's for no. No, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. I hurt, I, I hurt my back yesterday lifting boxes in, in the garage. So <laughs> I can't imagine what like, you know, it's like, you know, like some of these people, like in the expendables, like, Probably all of them have shot knees, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, what, you got to make an action movie around that, you know. Is Chuck Norris in the Expendables? 
Uh, he is in the, I think he's in the second one. Okay. Um, okay. So speaking of all of that, this seems like the perfectly beautiful natural segue into deep cut recommendations, um, which is of course, when you watch Delta force, I, I have now screwed up my algorithm and uh, Amazon is now like, Oh, we thought we really had a bead on you. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, Okay, we were wrong. All right, let, let me start yeah. serving you up. They're probably going to serve you up the Expendables. They're going to serve you up, <sighs> you know, stuff that you would definitely um, expect that to like if yeah. you like Delta Force. But what is a more, what's an unexpected, like a more deep cut uh, recommendation? I, and I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure mine is that much of a deep cut, but right. I think so. So I would recommend... The Towering Inferno, which mm. is a 70s d- disaster movie, which is very slow at the beginning, very boring. There's a lot of talk about architecture. And then there's a building on fire. Towering before you get the Inferno. <laughs> exactly. But it's like uh, one of my favorite, and I love 70s disaster movies. I love them. But this one has Paul Newman. So that's why I chose this one. And I think... Um, uh, oh, that's great. Some of the cast of this is actually in the Poseidon Adventure, so Poseidon Adventure as well, of course. But it, I mean, Amazon may actually recommend those things to me for sure, this. Yeah, my only knowledge of the Towering Inferno. There's a whole swath of like '70s and '80s movies that I only know from the Mad Magazine parody. <laughs> <laughs> and Towering Inferno, Towering Inferno, and Altered States are the two that, for some reason, they reprinted a lot. I don't know why. Hilarious. I've read them many times. I I love the Towering Inferno. It's very boring, though. Nice. Even when there's fire raging all around, there's still time for people to like have angry conversations. And like Fred Astaire is in it, and he's like a huckster who's like trying to grift people. Um, (laughs) I highly recommend it. Have you seen it, Nathan? Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, uh-huh. or maybe I've seen parts, but yeah. not all the way through. Probably seen the part where Fred Astaire tap dances down the stairs. Yeah, and the they're on fire. And OJ Simpson is in it. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay. What about you, Rick? Do you have a deep cut recommendation? I have a recommendation that could not be more deep cut. I think if I tried. Excellent. Um, and it's another canon film. Um, and I'm going to specifically recommend a specific version from, or a specific. So it's a film series that had multiple sequels, but I specifically want to call out part two. And the reason is um, uh, it's Amer- the American Ninja series. Oh. There's another <laughs> canon series. Um, it's about. Uh, I've only seen the original once, so I don't really remember his origin story, but it's about this like white guy who's in the military and somehow as a kid was secretly trained as a ninja. And um, it was a huge part of my childhood. And my, I mentioned my brother, who was the big 80s action movie fan. These used to come on cable all the time. For some reason, part two... <laughs> um, on way more than any of the others, at least during the like three year period when we had cable. Mm-hmm. Um, and we watched it over and over again. And it was very inspiring as like a fifth grade wannabe filmmaker because I realized 
that like the ninjas always attacked in groups of three. So they were probably the same three stuntmen just being cycled through over and over again. Oh, no. <laughs> these three. And I remember thinking that was like the most brilliant, like, first of all, to be a kid and think like, when I grow up, I want to make movies. And then to even that young, just already be thinking like, what's the cheapest possible way to do this? I like that. Yeah. It was a favorite. It's a favorite uh, movie of my brother and I, we quoted it all the time. Probably if I watched it again, like the politics would not hold up and it would be terrible <laughs> on all kinds of levels. Um, but if you watch it, with that that frame of mind, it's massively entertaining. <laughs> and that's what we wanted to do that one for an episode, but we couldn't find it um, anywhere. It's like in the ether. So if someone can yeah. find it and send us a link, we'll have you back and we'll do it. Because um, nice. it was on Amazon Prime. Right, Nathan? Didn't we almost oh, do no, it? Th- that's uh, uh, that's um, Invasion USA. Oh, that's right. Invasion oh, that, USA. Yeah. That's- that one's also Chuck Norris, and I'm yeah. That that there literally that. is a bazooka duel indoors at the end of that movie. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, we'll have you back for that one, Rick. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> You're officially our Chuck Norris bazooka our most guy. Elusive, we've tried to do Invasion USA twice. It's it's elusive. It appears and then it disappears. It does. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was like the villain searching for Chuck Norris. I thought that was the in same an movie. office complex with a bazooka. <laughs> I love it. Um, and for you, Nathan. So my my recommendation is going to be like so if you're in the mood to see, I guess the the almost the same kind of premise, which is terrorists have taken over an airplane and our good guys have got a kick ass, and this is ten years later. Um my recommendation is executive decision with more Kurt Russell. Oh yes. I remember really enjoying that, but I remember nothing else. (laughs) It's going to, if you're going to get some of the same energy of like the, 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 whereas the villain, the, the actor playing the villain can act, but he can't fight. (laughs) And then the hero, you know, like in the Chuck Norris movies, he can fight, but he can't necessarily act. And so, you know, you've got the same kind of situation, but this has a little more like Tom Clancy kind of vibe of like the, 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 all the, the toys and the political intrigue, but with, um, with uh, just a, a few more, it's like, it's got like John Leguizamo and it's got like Steven Seagal in it. Um, Ew. Yeah. yeah. But, like, in a rare, like, they must have duped, like, spoiler alert, Steven Seagal actually dies in the movie. Um, They must have tricked him because I just can't see, like, him. It must have been, like, a big sack of money because there's no way that that ego, that that guy can (laughs) can lose a fight or die. Uh But they really had to, like, trick him somehow. He had a big bill come due that month, and so exactly. But uh, yeah, if if you want to see Delta Force, but with Kurt Russell, I do. Executive decision is the way to go. Excellent. A bonus uh, recommendation: if you can track it down, find the Saturday Night Live episode hosted by Steven Seagal, especially. <laughs> Especially if you hate sketch comedy. Oh, no. <laughs> but I love sketch comedy. Oh, okay. no. 
is so bad and does not understand jokes and oh it's oh boy oh boy so so i have a fun a fun fact oh, is that this is so the last two i don't know when this episode comes out but the last two movies uh-huh that we've covered which are predator and flight of the navigator actually have something in common with this movie this is the third Mm. movie that there's something in common all three of them have something in common other than being like produced pretty shortly you know within the same time frame yeah we did three in a row from the same year yeah but they so they all have the same composer oh alan silvestri did composed predator and flight of the navigator and also by the way apparently uh a uh, he uh, did Avengers Endgame as in oh. Infinity War as well. I believe wow. yes. I, I was thinking that his name sounded familiar, and I remember at the beginning thinking like, "Oh, this is really neat that they have this whole synth score in this movie." And by the end of it, I was just like, "It sounds like a like a workplace safety training video." <laughs> <laughs> I guess it does. Yes, I think it they got does. him to like do the score for like five minutes, and then they're like, "We'll just." loop the music wherever we're just gonna loop it blowing up Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. uh wow thank you thank you fun fact nathan i think that's something we should add to every episode from now on fun facts with nathan also nathan i demand that we do something with lots of women in it next like i need a steel (laughs) magnolias i need a nine to five i need some girls i need some feminine energy in our next choice movie okay we're on a run we're on a tear of like well, let's see what I, else part of that is the 1980s though uh okay so I mean, our, that's how we make our decisions right it's whatever what else has alan silvestri yeah he did who framed roger rabbit this is a silvestri stan account now yeah oh yeah there you go not much more feminine energy than Jessica Rabbit, right? Yeah, so yeah. so crucial for women and their voice in the world. Um, all right, so on a scale of one bazooka high, one double bazooka high five uh, to ten being the the best amount of double bazooka high fives, how many double bazooka high fives do we give? The Delta Force, and I will start with you, Rick, since this was um, uh, your yeah, your fault. <laughs> yeah, this is my my fault. Um, uh, I'm gonna go right down the middle and say like five and a half. Like I think there's some historical stuff, and if you can kind of uh, view the the political stuff in the as a product of its time rather than an endorsement, then I think some of that is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it it's kind of boring, yeah, um, mm-hmm. and incoherent. Yeah. So yeah, five and a half. Excellent, excellent. And uh, for you, Nathan Blackwell. <sighs> well, this hurt. It, I, it, I'm gonna have to give it like a four and a half. Like I was like, I was like planning to give it like a six, and then it just, I had to keep dialing it down as I, like if they, you know, if you if you watched a couple of choice moments then I'd rate it higher, higher, but just in terms of just like gut and like engagement level, there's, there's plenty of fun stuff, but oh man, 
it's not this it's not not the smoothest watch mm, mm-hmm, yeah um i think that's i think that's fair scores from both of you now i'm gonna have to really undercut it and i'm gonna give it a, a two um, wow oh yeah now if someone made like i said a 45 minute super cut of just the fun part of meeting the characters at the beginning and the horse farm and the Canadian tuxedo, as you said, Rick. Yeah. And then bazooks at the end. Then I, I will give you all the points. I will quadruple my score. But mm-hmm. you can't. You don't get to like separate the Jews and then and then have fun bazooks. Like so, no. And it was like real, real tough to watch when I was even a little bit sleepy. I was just like, oh, man, and mm-hmm. really trying to measure out my time. Like, do I have time to watch this between things tomorrow? No, you don't, Chrissy. Just bite down and yeah, get through it. Through it. That's, that's kind of how I watch. And I think, yeah, I think the perfect assessment of it is it either needed to be a lot better or a little bit worse. Like, if it yes. was a little bit worse, it would have been enjoyable on that level that's that's the perfect sum up of this it a lot better or a, a lot better or a little bit worse yeah i think you said it opposite but yeah and that's where i feel invasion usa falls it's gonna come in. The, a little bit worse yep oh my gosh well so much fun thank you rick for being our guest it's we have been dying to have you on uh where can people find all of the uh wonderful things that you do um so i'm uh r larson four on most if not all of the social media things uh some of my longer writing you can find on medium uh some shorter things on twitter um and i post a lot of pictures of uh weird signs that i see (laughs) on my instagram i do love that that and pictures of my kids so (laughs) i do love that too uh yay excellent and uh nathan where can people go to support your creative endeavors Uh, well um squishystudios.com is uh we've got a lot of our short films web series stuff like that um you can check out uh the, the the feature film project that uh we're working on the last movie ever made, uh, which is on the Facebooks and the Instagrams. If you want to kind of follow that. I do want to follow that. Well, uh, and I suggest you do too, people listening. <laughs> you can find uh, more about the podcast at Most Excellent Pod and uh, more about me at Most Excellent Chrissy. And, uh, you know, please uh, rate, review, star, thumbs up tell a friend uh tell a neighbor tell an international um no don't tell any international terrorists we don't need them listening um but help spread the word we really can't help it whether they listen or not can we tell chuck norris is he still alive yes he is but he may have shot his only radio Oh, that's true. That's true. So he can't uh, listen to things. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he can't listen to things. Um, but do uh, please keep the most excellent podcast. Most excellent. <laughs> do keep the most excellent 80s movies podcast motto in mind. When you're out there in the world, please be excellent to each other. And 
Party on, dudes! <laughs> Yay! And that's a and that's a wrap. Nice. Woo-hoo. Thanks so much.